Good morning. Um, oops. I am Kristen. I know a lot of you, but I also don't know so many people. It's kind of odd. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm Kristen. Joseph, you can hit my thing for me. Um, I am a photographer, like Mark said. I'm 24 years old. I'm also a virtual assistant. I help creative people stay organized. Um, God has kind of blessed me with the ability to be both. And I've found a lot of creative people are not organized whatsoever. They're visionaries, they're dreamers, but they can't get it together. So I help them do that. Um, I am involved in a lot of missions work. I'm trying to do more humanitarian documentary photography, working with missions and nonprofit groups and different things like that, um, and sharing their stories so they can do more of what they're doing. Um, Ministry-wise, I am involved with women's ministry. Um, There's a group called Pursuit 31. I'm a small group leader for that. Um, They work with uh, Christian women in creative arts fields, um, trying to give them success in business, but also in their personal lives. Um, There's a whole lot of people not living whole balanced lives out there, and Pursuit 31 kind of wants to come alongside and encourage and equip people to do that. Um, So I'm involved with all of that stuff. I'm also volunteering living kids here. I was back there last weekend, and I promise if you heard them screaming, that was in the lesson book. (laughs) It really was. So um, I just want to tell you a little bit about who I am so you know where I'm coming from when I start talking about this stuff. Um, I have the unique insight of a single person. Um, I am single. I have been single my entire life. Um, I have been blessed to be able to interact with a lot of other single young women within the church. Um, And I just have been concerned and a little challenged by the things that I see single women believing um, within the church and the things that aren't being said to them. And that's kind of how this whole message came about. So if I say something that kind of challenges you or is a little bit offensive to you, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of not sorry. Um, (laughs) You just know that I'm not here to dismiss your feelings. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know your experiences, but There are things that I feel like haven't been said that kind of need said, and they're hard things to swallow, but I want you to know that I have had to swallow them myself, um, especially in the last couple of years. So if you feel that, know that I have felt it. Um, Life is hard. Being single is hard. Being married is hard. Parenting is hard, and that's because life is hard. It's challenging for everyone, so I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to get you not to feel what you're feeling. Um, I just want to point you back to Jesus. It's the whole point. Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming from, so bear with me. Uh, so today we're talking about satisfaction in Christ, um, how to be satisfied, what it means to be satisfied. So um, to be satisfied is to be filled. It's to be replenished. Um, satisfaction then is like being filled and having the experience of being satiated. So we're hungry, our stomachs are empty, we consume, we feed, we eat, and then we're full, and that is being satisfied. Um, It's replenishment, so it's not a one-time thing. You don't eat once and then you never have to eat again. You have to keep feeding yourself, and the things you feed yourself are going to determine how you feel. Um, It's not a one-time thing, it's recurring, so just keep that in mind too. But we're going to kind of look at a bunch of different verses that have been challenging to me, um, that have encouraged me, and um, just brought me to a place where I can say that I am satisfied in Jesus Christ. 
Um, even though I have desires in my heart that have not been lived out, even though I have been through challenging circumstances, um, still have some challenging circumstances in my life like we all do, um, Jesus transcends all of that. So we're promised satisfaction in him. It's a guarantee. It's not something you have to think you can never have. Um, If you have a void in your life right now, it can and will be filled by Jesus Christ. Um, If you look at Jeremiah 31, uh, verses 14 and 25, it says, I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. Um, Those verses I really love because it's a declaration. The words used are shall and will. That's a promise. It's not, I might do this for you, for my people. Um, I might satisfy the weary. It's no, I will satisfy the weary. Um, People who are languishing, I will replenish them. Um, And it's through his goodness that he satisfies. So it's a really beautiful picture. Um, and, And I see a lot of times that we try to not pay attention to the word of God, and we try to seek satisfaction in other things, and we think, I'll be happy if I'm married, or I'll be happy if I have kids, or I'll be happy if I get that job that I'm pursuing, Um, just other things that we want in life, that we think we need in life, um, that that won't satisfy us, but we think that they will in some way, even if it's in our subconscious, we're pursuing them as if they were going to make that difference in our lives and fill that void. Um, when it says right there what's going to satisfy us, his goodness will satisfy us. He's promised he will satisfy us and replenish us. So I just want to encourage you right now, if you're going through something that's challenging you, if you are the weary soul or languishing soul, he has promised to fulfill you. And when you're in Christ, you have that readily available to you. Um, If you're going through something like that, I encourage you to read the Psalms. Um, Those have been beautiful, beautiful pictures to me of who the Lord is, and um, they're written by people, you know, going through heartbreaking times, through war, um, desperate people, and I think they're really relatable, especially when you're in the thick of struggle um, and circumstances beyond your control. So when can we be satisfied? If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 63, so we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 8. It's kind of a longer passage. It says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary lands where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And I've read these verses so many times. Um, They're just so, so full of truth and promise um, from someone, you know, who, who has been in that place of that struggle and, and um, has seen God as their help and has clung to him and has been satisfied. And because of that, knows that he will be again satisfied by the Lord. Um, 
So when can we expect to be satisfied? This passage kind of lays out a couple different things that um, I've noticed and been challenged in. It's when our hearts are fixated on the Lord, when he consumes our thoughts, when we know him. And how do we know him? Through his word. It talks about remembering him upon your bed, meditating on him in the watches of the night. If you don't know who he is, you can't meditate on him. You can't think on him. If you don't know his word, you don't have anything to meditate on. And I love that we as a church family have kind of really um, challenged ourselves and gone through this the last several weeks and in this part of the year to spend time in the word of God, how to study it, um, how to memorize it, um, different things like that. And it's been such a challenge for me and I know for several of us to get in the word daily. But we wonder why we're not satisfied when um, we replace the pursuit of knowing the Lord with other things, with that job you want, with that status you want in life, with wanting to be married, with wanting to have children, with wanting that, um, that dream life, some sort of thing that you think is going to give you happiness, and we pursue those things instead of opening our Bibles. We forget. We decide other things are more important. And then we're surprised <laughs> when we're not satisfied, when it's so obvious I see a lot of people, and myself included, I've done this before, and I've been really challenged not to anymore. We substitute the Word of God with things that should supplement the Word of God. Um, we go for walks, and we um, listen to sermon podcasts, and we go to church, and we do all these things that seem really spiritual. We involve ourselves in ministry, and we never open the Word of God on our own personal time. Um, that's... That's not good. <laughs> you're never going to be satisfied if the only time you open your Bible is when you're in this room. Um, satisfaction, like we said before, it's a continual occurrence. You have to keep feeding yourself. If you're not feeding yourself, you're not going to be satisfied. Um, stop making excuses for not being in the Word. If you have time to get on Facebook, you have time to be in the Word of God. If you have time to call a friend, you have time to be in the Word of God. Um, you make the time. It's a priority thing. Um, Psalm 139 has been super encouraging to me and kind of blown my mind lately. Um, I've read it and acknowledged things that I hadn't seen before. Um, but one of the key truths from Psalm 139 that I have kind of accepted and um, clung to is that he already knows me and he already knows you. And it says that throughout the passage, um, just the ways that he knows you. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows the days he formed for you before you've lived one of them. Um, it's, it's a really beautiful thought that he knows you as you are right now. He knows the sins you'll commit in five minutes. He knows the sins you'll commit tomorrow, and he still loves you anyway. He knew before you were created that you were going to do all of these things in your life, and still, he, he loves you. Still, he, he died and, and chose you to be his child. Um, and that's really freeing. But at the same time, I've been challenged to ask the question, do we know him? He already knows us. Do we know him? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. Are we making an effort to know his thoughts? Um, we have pages upon pages of them. Are we reading them? Are we searching, seeking him out? Are we searching to know his thoughts? That's how we're going to be satisfied, by paying attention when he speaks to us. 
uh, by seeking him, by letting him fill us with his word and with the knowledge of who he is. So how do we know that we're satisfied? Um, We know we're satisfied in Christ because satisfaction in him results in joy and praise. Psalm 90, 14 says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Um, Sometimes joy is a choice. Uh, We have to fight for it and we have to keep choosing it. But sometimes joy just kind of overflows. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So, um, you know, you have the Holy Spirit in you as a believer in Christ. And sometimes it is something that is well beyond your power and just kind of comes from you. So everyone kept asking me when I um, was announced I was speaking um, if I was talking about Ecuador, and I laughed every time, but um, I am going to tell you a little bit about Ecuador. Um, Like Mark said, I was in Ecuador on a missions trip in February, and we had a day off and went on this excursion, um, and it ended a little badly. I flipped an ATV on a mountain in Ecuador, and um, dislocated my ankle in two places, um, compound fracture, and basically severed my ankle at the leg bones. Um, And it really is true that the joy of the Lord is our strength um, in that he gives peace that passes understanding because I had nothing. I could do nothing in that situation. There's one girl with me on my team. Um, The rest of the team had already gone up the other side of the mountain and around a corner. Um, had no idea what had happened, and I'm just sitting there, lying on my back on the side of the road, um, broken ankle, obviously broken. Um, I'm broken, I am bleeding, and I am smiling and waving when my team comes back. Um, I had this peace the entire time that I just could not explain, and it made absolutely no sense. Um, Why? because I knew that my circumstances were not greater than my God, and I was trusting him. Um, There was nothing I could do. I had to know that he was enough for me, and throughout the entire process of getting to hospital one and then transferring to another and then finally getting to another one um, like 12 hours later, there was never a moment that I thought... I should have been afraid for my life. (laughs) Ecuador is a third world country, and I did have surgery there. Um, That never really registered in my mind as like this super intense, scary thing to be be experiencing. Um, It just never happened. I just had this peace the entire time and was very calm. and so when I, when I got back, I, I've been reading Psalm 139 again, and it says in verse 16, In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. And there's an intentionality in that. There's purpose in that. Um, and I kind of had to wrap my head around the fact that God knew the day that I was going to have my accident and allowed it to happen. Um, that he knew the days I would be lying in bed doing nothing. <laughs> He knew the days I would be in physical therapy trying to relearn how to walk. Um, He knew all of that, and there's purpose for it. And the purpose is his glory, and ultimately that is for my good. And that's just, it's it's a thought that really has challenged me, um, because if the bad things that happen to us, the challenging situations, the things that you would never choose to happen in your life, if they work for the glory of God, 
isn't that worth it? Isn't it? Doesn't that maybe take the sting out of it, even if there's still an ache? Knowing your struggle will somehow result in the glory of God, even if you never see how and never know the extent of it. That gives its hardship a purpose. And that um, was really encouraging to me and, and just a beautiful picture um, of life and, and the way things happen. And you may never know why it happens. I don't know why I broke my ankle. <laughs> I don't know why it happens. Um, everyone on my team just refers to it as the freak accident. Um, <laughs> it's not, there was no, no, nothing I could have done um, to change it. And yet I've seen people, um, re- people's response to what has happened and from talking to me and interacting and, and just ways that have kind of blown my mind. Um, they're encouraged by things that they've seen um, or just the joy that they've seen come from me, which is absolutely not my doing, and I'm very well aware of it. So it's, it's just encouraging to know that. So if you're struggling with something, think about that that somehow the glory of God is going to come from what, you, what you're dealing with. And it's, it feels like it's easy for me to say that because my leg is healed and, you know, it, it was a bad break, but the surgery went well. There were no complications. I, I did make it home. Um, but it's still, there are other challenges in my life and in your life And I think even if they don't work out the way we wanted them to, even if they're really hard, the most difficult things we've ever had to face, it's still true. So when storms surround you, what are you going to look at? Don't look behind Jesus for the the shoreline. Don't look for the boat to climb back in. You're on the water. There's waves howling. There's wind howling, waves crashing all around you. What are you going to look at? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who promises to be your refuge and your strength. Eyes, heart, and mind fixed on him. And that's how we get through things. Because joy doesn't mean you never suffer. It doesn't mean you never struggle or experience negative life circumstances, because you will. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but joy is more than an emotion. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It's dependent upon Jesus Christ. It's a state of your soul. So to be joyful is to be so full of the Holy Spirit, so greatly to trust Christ as the rock and your hope and your peace that in any situation you're able to see past what's happening in the moment and able to cling to the one who knows the outcome. Because we have no idea how long the days are going to be, how wide that valley stretches. And in our perception, it can feel like a really long time. Um, But when we're anchored to Christ as our hope, Joy can still come because it's not dependent on people. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's not rooted in anything or anyone that can leave you. Because he promises never to leave or forsake us. So when you're satisfied, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit is going to be more evident because you know him and you trust him. And here comes the challenging parts. Um, Satisfaction, you can't have it if you're clinging on to other things besides Jesus, you can't have it. Go to Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. 
It says, come all, who, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. If you look at verse 2, and kind of want to rephrase it a little bit, you could say, why are you striving for things that will only leave you feeling empty and dissatisfied? And then in verse 3, the call is, come to me. Why are you striving for things that will only leave you feeling empty and dissatisfied? Psalm 4610 um, is a really familiar passage to a lot of us. And I've kind of been looking at it in different translations and, and digging into study Bible footnotes and all kinds of things for it because there's just so much to that verse. Um, and I really struggle with the whole be still thing. <laughs> I, I like to be moving. I like to be busy to an extent. Um, and it says, be still and know I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on earth. Um, be still could also be cease striving or let go. Um, to know is to recognize or to understand. And the, the word for God in that passage is Elohim. Um, so creator and judge of the universe, he who is the object of reverence and he with whom one is afraid, who is afraid takes refuge. Cease striving, let go, and know he's God. What's in your hand? What are you fisting in it? What are you trying to attain? What are you holding on to? What has been elevated in your hand above Jesus? And it's like a, a question we have to ask consistently. Um, it's, it's not something where we never re-grab things. Um, and I know in my life it's been many things that um, I'm striving toward that is not the Lord um, that I've grabbed onto that I want and think I need. And those are times when I'm not satisfied. I feel like I should have more. Um, so I'm going to read that verse again with all of the parentheticals added in. Um, be still, cease striving, let go, and know, recognize, understand that I am God, Elohim, creator and judge of the universe, he who is the object of reverence, he with whom one who is afraid takes refuge. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on earth. Is he exalted in your life right now? Are there other things in your hand? Go to Isaiah 44, um, starting in verse 6. We're going to look at 6 through 8, um, and then read verse 20. But know that 9 through 19 is really good stuff. I just don't have time to read it all. <laughs> um, so 6 through 8 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare it and set it before me since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. So verses 9 to 19 go on to describe the foolishness um, and worthlessness of idolatry. It talks about how um, man makes 
idols, out of um, things that, that make no sense to worship. And it would almost be a funny passage if it weren't so devastatingly sad. Um, so then it kind of culminates in verse 20, and it says, He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray, and he cannot deliver himself or say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? And we do the exact same thing. We trade the richest affair for ashes when we seek anything or anyone to satisfy us apart from Jesus Christ. When we grip any dream or desire of our heart and fist it in our hands and elevate it in our hearts above the Lord, it becomes an idol. We delude ourselves to the point where we don't even recognize what we're doing, what lies we've believed. And that thing that you thought would make you happy, that you fisted onto in your hand, has turned to ash, and you're eating it, and you're consuming it day in and day out, and you just keep thinking, why aren't I full? Why aren't I full? We delude ourselves. What's turned to ash in your life? What are you holding on to and trying to consume rather than Jesus? If you're single, are you so longing for an earthly romantic relationship that you've left your first love. If you're married, does your desire to have children go above your desire to know the Lord? Is that job that you want worth more to you than Jesus Christ? And if the answer is no in your heart, your actions will follow. If your actions don't relate to your answer in your brain, then your answer that you're telling yourself is a lie. And that's really, really hard. But we have to be so careful and we have to ask ourselves these questions again and again because it's so easy to let something you want subtly creep into your heart and take over. And it takes root and that's the thing that you're pursuing and that's the thing you want and you forget. You forget about Jesus and the way he satisfied you, and you think, if I only had this, I would be happy. Stop holding on to ashes by the handful as if it were fair that would satisfy you. You can't praise the Lord with hands lifted in surrender if you're clenching your fists. It's not the same thing. So what are you reaching for? If it's not Jesus, then what are you doing? Why are you seeking fulfillment there? You have to ask yourself these questions and, and react to them. Um, let the Spirit speak to you and root out those idols in your heart. Uh, we kind of skip over, um, you shall have no other gods before me. When we read the Ten Commandments, I don't know why, but we do. I'm like, oh, we're good there. And then we read the rest of them. Like, oh, I need to work on all these other ones. An idol doesn't have to be another religion. It's anything that you place above the Lord in your life. Um, I have one final passage, and um, this is the one that's probably the most personal to me. Um, it's First Samuel 1. If you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Um, this is the story of Samuel's parents, Hannah and Elkanah. And Hannah, just to give you some background, she is the one her husband loves. He has two wives. The one um, 
that he loves is Hannah, and she has no children, though she desperately wants them. And then the other wife has several children, and she basically mocks Hannah because, I, well, I think it's because she knew that Elkanah loved Hannah more than her. Um, but she would mock her, and Hannah would get so sad. She would be depressed. She would weep. She would refuse to eat. Um, she would pray. She would do all of these things because she wanted this child so badly. And if you've read this story before, obviously there's a whole book called Samuel. You know, there's two of them. So Samuel is born. Um, but I started a read through the Bible in a year challenge. And if this is an encouragement to anyone, I am in like year two of finishing it. So know that you can give yourself grace with those things. Um, but I got to First Samuel again uh, several months ago. And God totally broke down a wall in my heart I didn't even know was there um, through this, this passage of scripture. And so verse 8 is kind of where it came from. And there's a question in there that I felt like the Holy Spirit was asking me directly. So verse 8 says, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Am I not more to you than? Fill in the blank. That question has been a constant in my life since I read this passage because we get to a point sometimes when the things that we long for and they can be good things, they can be God-given desires on our hearts, but we, we forget that what we have now because we're so looking toward the future. We forget what we're promised, what we actually need in favor of things that we want. We trade the rich, amazing promises of an almighty God to strive toward the things that we desire. So this question has been a personal challenge to me to check my heart and my priorities. Um, does my heart desire anything more than it desires Jesus Christ? At any given moment, on any day, is there something that's crumbled into ash in my hand? Am I trying to consume something other than the richest, of, richest affair I've been promised and given freely? Sometimes this question is the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> I'm tired. And for me, if I don't spend time with the Lord in the morning, it's probably not going to happen. And I know that. So if I'm really tired and I wake up and I'm sitting there and I think I should just go back to sleep, sometimes, am I not more to you? Just echoes in my head. And the answer, my actions reveal. <laughs> If I get up and I spend time with him, yes, he's more to me than sleep. If I sleep in and get busy and just go about my day and never open the word of God and never spend time praying, then he's not. Even if I'd like to say he is, he isn't. So is he right now? Could you say that he's more to you than that thing you want? And I don't know what that desire of your heart is. It could be a very legitimate thing, a God-given desire, but do you want it so badly that you're, you're forgetting about Jesus, about your relationship with him, about pursuing him? So right now, um, 
I invite you to close your eyes just for a couple minutes. Clear your mind of distractions. Um, I'm going to read something to you. I just ask you to be open to letting the Holy Spirit speak to you as I read it. Am I not more to you? Am I not more to you than an earthly romance, than hand-holding in the park, than doors opening as you step down an aisle in a white dress, than a tux pressed just so and worn while saying I do? Am I not more to you than financial security, than a big house and a nice car and two weeks paid vacation every year, than a savings account full of money just in case? Am I not more to you than your dreams, the things you cry over in the middle of the night, the things you're too afraid to wish for out loud? Am I not more? Am I not more? Am I not more to you than having a child, than the pitter-patter of tiny feet on hardwood floors, than days lost in laundry and diapers and to-dos, than flowers on Mother's Day and chocolate ties on Father's Day, than the cooing of a baby all your own or the giggles of a child lost in laughter? Am I not more to you than the constant buzz of your cell phone, than Facebook notifications of each and every thought and milestone in the lives of every person you've ever met, than Instagram feeds and Twitter updates and an endless stream of emails in your inbox, than being plugged in and in the know at every moment of every day? Am I not more to you? Am I not more? Am I not more to you than your fears, than the chains that you ignore wrapped around you so tightly you can hardly breathe? Then the insecurities keeping you from walking in confidence toward what I'm calling you to do, am I not more? Am I not more to you than the thoughts of your friends and your family, than society's ideas of what is good and sane and normal, than the pursuit of your happiness, than the sacrifice of leaving that which you've always known? Am I not more to you than any pursuit of career or ministry or hobby, than your ideas and plans of family life, than your hope and desire of a marriage here on earth, than those desires that you grip so tightly in your right hand? Am I not more to you? Beloved, am I not more? Than everything, than anything, than all else, am I not more to you? Am I not more? Tell you, allow yourself to answer those questions, to hear his voice, to root through and weed out the things that have taken root in your heart. He won't be satisfied. You'll keep letting other things get in the way. And it may be the same things day after day. He's promised you satisfaction. What are you doing to claim that promise today? The song's going to play here in a minute. And while it's playing, um, there are papers on your table. And there's a spot on the bottom where you can write out a prayer or give name to what's keeping you from being satisfied in Jesus Christ. If you just need to sit and let him speak to you do that. This is, this is a time that I just want to make sure that you don't walk out of this room without taking the, these questions seriously because it's so important. So I'm going to pray, and then um, the song will play, and you guys can just take that time to reflect and respond to this because it is so important, and it's something that we have to do. God, I just ask that you would reveal to us the things that are in our hearts that we're placing above you in some way. And I pray that you would open us to hear from your Holy Spirit right now, God, that we would hear clearly and be open to what you have to say to us.
you are greater, God, than all else. You are the only God. Strengthen us. Help us to remember that in our day-to-day. Give us satisfaction in you, Lord. You promise when we seek you, we will find you when we search for you with all of our hearts. Help us to search for you, God, with all of who we are. We love you, Lord. Speak to us now in your name. Amen.